I thank you kindly for firing up the podcast system. That's cast with an E. Podcast system. With me, Lovey. And yes, that is my real name. Every episode, I tackle something new in the world of politics, pop culture, race, and the lack of relations. Be sure to subscribe and enjoy every shady moment. Be hashtag blessed, y'all. Welcome back, Brother Jake. I know you're excited to be here. Yes, I am. That's your cue. You have to say something. Yes, I am. I have to earn the, the money I've been using for, for my Uber Eats trips. So, you know. Man, you can't say that in public. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was only two. It was two. Two Uber Eats trips. That trip to Manhattan and back. Yesterday. But anyway, yesterday. Two in one day? It wasn't. I mean, it it wasn't that I'm, much. It was just like a, a coffee for one and then a bottle of wine for the other one. I shouldn't have I, had that bottle of wine. I cannot believe that you did Uber Eats for a bottle of wine. Like, I kind of miss New York when you say these things to me. It's actually a good deal. I'm jealous. It's cheaper than if I went to the bar. You shouldn't be going to the bar. That's New York. I'm telling you, New York is, I don't know what they did, but people out partying, there's no cases in New York. There are less cases, that's for sure. Then you have places like Wisconsin where I'm like, what are y'all doing? And how are you guys have more cases than you had six months ago? It makes no sense. All right. So today, well, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us. No, just one point. You know, mm -hmm. that's the point about New York is we started wearing the mask. We started social dis. We've been very rational about it. And mm -hmm. as a consequence, we still have a semblance of a social life. Yeah. You know? The summer helped, obviously. The summer but, helped uh, a lot. And the fact that there was no rain on record at all anywhere in the east or west coast oh wow i didn't re realize yeah that. yeah i guess that's why a third of the country's on fire that might have yes yes yeah. and you know you got idiots out there starting birth reveals or whatever nonsense with gender fire starters party. gender reveal party people have too much free time i have no problem with the gender reveal party i still don't understand how it turns into a, a blaze <laughs> that engulfs a state that that part just I haven't seen the connection there. And as a logician, that means it's it's inexplicable. <laughs> I don't know I what's mean, going on. Like, could they just do that cake that you cut open and then it's like, oh, it's blue. Not, not, not in this day and age. That's, that's not a sufficient cake. People have cake every day. You gotta do something, something <laughs> that's gonna day. make it, something that's gonna like uh, pop on the gram or, or TikTok or whatever it is. You know, everybody's gotta show out. I need your help. So that's why I called. I was tasked with, giving a little talk about the importance of voting to all of these young voters. So they said, lovey, hey, can you do a little video and tell young people why they should vote? And I got up to go do it and record. And then I said, huh, that's a real good question. I think I know the answer, but why should I put the effort in when I can just call you? So let's talk about it. Let's call, talk me about it. Uh, call me because why? Uh, because you are well-versed in political discourse. I'm a legendary political scientist, either way. Um, yeah, what, what you said. Mm -hmm. those, 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 those <laughs> basic facts aside, it's interesting that you called me because, you know, I'm ambivalent for myself about voting. 
in fact, I posted on Facebook the other day. I'm not voting for either of these clowns. Yeah, you did. You did. And, uh, like, let me not let me not comment on that because I think it was I, a public post. And I think the judgment was that I am now officially the worst of the worst because I said that. That's all it took for people to say that you were the worst of the worst? Yeah, the people who loved me my whole life. You've said worse, but, though. But yeah, no, of course. I think it's the particular moment we're in. But I did qualify it by saying... I think everybody else should vote. I just <laughs> can't do it for myself. And I, <laughs> right. you know, how, 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 how kind don't of, follow, I'm not trying to be a role no, model here. No. What did dad say? Do as I say, not as, not I, as do. I do. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a role model here. We know. But I, I let, let, let's talk about why you might not want to vote. Okay. Let's, right? let's go and, the then, and then see if that is sufficient. To, to determine the, the, the outcome, right? All right, so I'm with you on that. Do. All right, so let's do that. Let's list it off. One, obviously, the Trump guy is a terrible option. Of so course. that's clearly not compelling anyone to, to that, that shouldn't be compelling reasons for anyone to participate in the election, on my view. If you want to vote for Trump, you should probably stay home because it also means that you're probably not someone who likes to inform yourself about things. Anything. You, yeah. Or that you are in favor of, I don't know, politeness. Mm-hmm. In social discourse, because they say some of the, you know, his supporters say very nasty things. Yes. And that's that's destructive of the democratic spirit. So, you know, I actually think if you're bringing that kind of an attitude into politics, you should stay away. I would agree. Yeah. I will agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we can't get anything done when you have that level of acrimony constituting our political universe. And now, let me just throw way. in. Okay, mm-hmm. and let me just throw in that today, uh, my fellow selectman Daryl Brown in the town of Exeter, he texted me and he said, "Serious shit downtown. Do not be near here." And oh, I'm gosh. like, "What's happening?" He says, "One of the Trump train vehicles was a Humvee with mounted machine gunner. I kid you not. Avoid town." So yeah, what you're saying about some of these Trump supporters is is accurate. That they can be a little extremist. Very far from humanitarian, but go on. And that's why I think, you know, this general idea that, you know, we shouldn't, everyone should go out and vote. I I don't agree. I think you have to have, like, we've talked about this before, that Mm -hmm. our education system, I don't think, and, and our parenting doesn't do a sufficient job to prepare people for the important roles there to play in, in society, right? For example, preparing people to be citizens. I personally received no training in, in my education, in my schooling, uh, on how to be a citizen. I, I taught I myself, can, right? I can vouch for that. You know, I think that's a huge issue, is people are participating in a process that has very significant consequences for everyone, and they have no idea what they're doing, right? Yeah. Recently, I was thinking about, okay, what is it about our politics that makes this so divisive? Like, why are we in such a you know, why is wearing a mask turned into a political conversation when really it's about just, you know, let's not kill each other? You know, why are certain things become so politicized when they really don't have a place in politics anywhere else in the world, but here in the United States? Yeah, there's nothing inherently controversial about these things. There's nothing inherently conflictual about these things. They actually, you know, like wearing a mask is something that everyone can do and that is universally beneficial right right like did, no one did loses. People, right did people fight this hard when restaurants were like shirt and shoes required 
You know, were were people outraged and and carrying guns and protesting their right to look the part of a buffoon? I don't know. Exactly. So I can understand why there will be conflict, you know, about raising uh, taxes on one group or distributing benefits to another group. Obviously, there's there's some people who are bearing costs, some people who are bearing benefits. There's an inherent possibility for conflict. But with something like this, it's universally beneficial. Right. And and. Maybe it's not clearly so. Now that that raises another question about our level of um, scientific literacy. That clear pronouncements about the benefits of certain actions simply fall on deaf ears. But also, let's let's be clear. Even if we found out six months from now that wearing a mask actually did no harm or or any betterment, yeah, this is not the sword. To fall and die on, yeah. You know, like you want to die on, yeah. Right, like this is really not it. There are other things where I could say, man, I, you know, I, I, I can't just jump on board with that because I'm really uncomfortable with how that's affecting my family, how that's affecting my my career, my finances, et cetera, et cetera. But this is not it. So yes, so we have in the American political system real confusion about what is politics, what is just sort of self centeredness, what is feeling of of political freedoms all of this gets intermixed right and then so it comes back to well voting is the power that you have to state the freedoms that you want or however you want to define that so i'm going to um, articulate one of my core principles what i call the proportionality principle okay and this relates to what you just said about the mass right mm-hmm. so is the negative response to wearing a mask proportionate to the mm-hmm. risk involved? Yes, I see. absolutely mm-hmm. not. I mean, you see these people mm-hmm. occupying uh, the state house with guns over this matter. You see people taking over what is it, the t- town hall meeting, right. right, with the city council and screaming their heads off and, and and throwing obscenities around and trying to shut down the government over something that, even if it's not beneficial doesn't pose any serious harm. So that's, it's a disproportionate response. Now let's think about voting and proportionality principle. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say we're addressing people who, if they're going to vote, they'd be voting for Joe Biden because they're not a fan of, of, of um, Donald Trump. Right, right? Some they of these have people some are, sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, some of these people are former Bernie supporters. Some of these people are just um, rationalists like me who want a good, politics, right? right? And want want good policy to flow from our politics. Now, the question is, why would some of these people be um, hesitant to participate in this election? The first issue is Biden seems pretty incompetent, mm. right? I've watched plenty of videos with him and he he's barely able to get a put, the, put a sentence together, a coherent sentence together. And his ability to handle facts is quite diminished. He has a history of um, what appears to be sexual perversity. Inappropriateness when it comes to proximity to people of the opposite sex and younger age. Yes. And that's really out of touch at this cultural moment, right? Um, And for good reason. You know, we're trying to change the dynamics in our relationships between men and women. And and so he is a symbol of of a bygone era. And an right. era that we don't want to ever return to. There's there's a lot of negatives. Not to mm-hmm. mention, he doesn't seem to ha- he doesn't seem to have a positive vision 
I don't right. know what he stands for. Do you have any sense of what it is that he's promoting? I mean, um, he's promoting not letting Trump back in office. That's and that's kind much, of it. That's kind of it. Now, of course, the Democratic primary process and the past three or four years, the Democratic Party, from the elites to the rank and file, they have so obsessed about Trump that they haven't devised a coherent agenda that speaks to people. That makes me feel, you know what, I have to go out and vote because there's something really good that can come out of me voting for the Democratic right. nominee. If right. I don't feel that, like, then if you're to say to me, well, you have to vote for Biden because, you know, you can't, because if you don't, then Trump will win. It almost feels as if you're not holding the Democrats accountable where they have to actually try harder, try yeah. hard to win votes, not just say, look, give us your vote or you'll have a bad situation. But right? I think or even worse situation. Right. Historically speaking, I feel like the Democratic Party has really coasted quite a bit, especially with the black voters. Right. I feel absolutely. like they have absolutely just assumed both black voters and young voters. If you're black and you're young, then you have to vote Democratic no matter what, because you just have to. There hasn't been a big push to say, well, here are the reasons why. Here are the issues that we want to focus on. Here are the things that we want to change. And even in the midst of the most intense months that we've experienced in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, I haven't even heard Biden say anything that would have me believe that when he enters office, he's going to make concrete changes other than, okay, now you can wear your hair in an afro at work and not be fired. This is what we're talking about now. These are the things that- I doubt are... they're even promoting that. Jacob, I doubt they're even pushing I, workplace Jacob, protections. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Two weeks ago, I saw an article where there was some legislation passed and I have to look it up and I'll probably, I'll have to write about it in the, in the descriptor where this was a big thing. It was like, now you can't discriminate for women wearing their natural hair in office and other business places. And I'm like, that's what we're working with. This is the, this is the gift of, of the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Yeah, and we want people I mean, to get out and vote. And we're throwing out these crumbs as like Hansel and Gretel are supposed to just come running. Because how long has this, I mean, when you think about what, what really got all this stuff started, was it the um, Ferguson? Well, there was Ferguson and then there was a lull, remember? So Ferguson happened. It was, Ferguson and it was, was the Mike Brown case, right? right and then there was but, also Trayvon Martin around the same time, I think. Right? And then Trayvon Martin happened and then there was another lull. So we didn't have the big push mm -hmm. until George Floyd. And then yeah. people were like, I think the combination of being legitimately locked up in your house. With nothing else to do. Nothing else to do but sit in front of computers and read and see the atrocities that were taking yeah. place that people were like that I'm up, I'm out. This is not happening anymore. And I'm not really at work right now. So let's make this happen. So all of these things, the timing of it was sort of perfect, but what the democratic party didn't do was jump on board with the momentum of the black lives matter movement, because I feel like they're just too afraid to attach themselves to any real causes. The only so cause is beat Trump. Here's the interesting thing, right? Because usually when there's a crisis moment, mm -hmm. the first thing politicians do is get together and devise some big policy that's supposed to address the problem. 
That's what happened with the pandemic. They had the big bailout bill. That's what happened when you had the recession in, in 2008. They often try to do that whenever there's a, um, a major shooting or a right. string of shootings, but they've even, you know, that goes nowhere because the NRA has such a stranglehold on, on that part of our politics, right? right? But at least there's an attempt usually made when there's a major crisis situation or some major social problem that's been thematized in a dramatic way that, you know, one or both parties articulate, you know, tries to put together a big policy mm-hmm. to answer the problem. And we have nothing here. We really like, have literally. nothing here. And Literally. what we're talking about is, look, if you're going to give significant power to police and prosecutors and judges in a democratic system, in a democratic republic, whenever we distribute considerable power to people, we also set up institutional structures that hold them accountable to the people. Don't have that. You have tyranny. That is what we're des- our system is designed to prevent. So you have police who are able to shoot people dead and no investigation nothing happens and blame not not just shoot people dead but then blame the victims of said shooting for the fact that the police had to do the act itself yeah you know the funny thing is also our historical memory what was the case there's two cases from back in the day that we should bring back to light right Mm. and we're going to turn back to the election but i want to mention these two cases because they're dear, they're important for all New Yorkers and they're important for this country. Abner Luwima and yeah. Amadou Diallo. Remember the Abner Luwima case? That they, was when they sodomized him. The police sodomized him. That was the him. ultimate police brutality. They had him in custody, sodomized him with police sticks, nightstick. Yeah. nightstick, guns, and it was multiple people in the room at the same time witnessing his brutalization. I think they knocked out his teeth. The yep. whole nine. It was a shock and that he didn't die. My question is, how did you not have major institutional reform to regulate the police? Nothing happened. Out, coming out of that. You right? know what they did? They wrote a check. They buried it. And that was the end of it. Because who was president then? Bill Clinton. Clinton. Bill Clinton was president. This was not under George Bush. Was, they... Who was mayor? Was it David, David no, no, Dinkins? No, it was, no who it was, was it? Rudolph Giuliani. Oh, um, At the time. Yeah. Right. Right. Well. Yeah. But remember, the federal government has considerable power uh, or considerable leverage over these city and state governments because they have so much money and they provide so much funding. So they can always kind of push you to adopt certain kinds of policies and institutions. Well, obviously, on the, on the threat I mean, of if, if you don't do it, we're taking we'll your money. Your, we're taking, we're your, taking money. your money. All right. Which and is what Trump did with the schools right now. But yeah, you're right. It's funny. I, I remember that case very distinctly because I thought this is horrible. All of those people must be going to jail for life and everything is going to change and people can't be, you know, uh, uh, alone in rooms with police officers. And that didn't happen. Let me see what year that happened. That was uh, uh, 90, 95, 1997. Maybe? I was close. But yeah, I remember that because right. I was in high school then. And look where we are. 2020. Right. So. That's 13 years later. Wait, no. No. 23. Oh, wow. That also reveals how old I am. Well, 23 yeah. years later. And of course, how old you are. Woof. Um, Thanks a lot. 23 years later. And <laughs> not. And we, we can't say that nothing has changed. It's actually a lot has changed. It's actually worse than it was before. 
there's there's a level of acceptability that now exists because before yep. we didn't have as many people coming out and saying, well, maybe he deserved it or maybe he, he you know, should have been um, in the right place at the right time. Because now that's what people are saying. So mm-hmm. if you get brutalized or murdered by the police, there's a whole cohort of people who come out and say, well, you obviously did something to deserve that. So for young people who are at home watching all of this, and this is after Obama's administration, a lot of them are like, you know what? There is no point in me even getting up to get out and vote. And I'm trying to come up with the right things to say and the motivators to get them to come out and vote. But I'm I'm legitimately having a hard time with it. You know, people say, look, voting is your civic duty. In a certain sense, it is. But it's also the duty of our politicians and our elites and our political institutions to generate good choices for us. We've got a person who can barely formulate a sentence and a person who's genuinely insane and dangerous. And this, isn't the, right. and this isn't the opinion of like a small number of people. This is a global, a worldwide opinion. Yeah. Every other nation in the country, you know, when, when the craziest of other countries start saying, that's nuts, we should be concerned. I mean, Americans can't travel to other countries right now because we've managed our pandemic situation so poorly. You know, the West Coast is on fire. That's not even an issue, it seems. So, you know, we're facing, and of course, we have climate change to deal with. We have- I mean, assuming you believe it, right. Existential crisis on, on our hands. And we're doing effectively nothing about it. No, we're um, actually doing the opposite. Pipelines are now being built in places where they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, regulations for the Environmental Protection Agency are being revoked. Yeah. You know, all of the things that we had worked Since he towards, got into office, Trump's been doing that. He's literally said, oh, you wanted to save that river? No, let's just get rid of it and cut some oil through it. It's like, no, 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 no. We, we actually want to have a place to live in 50 years time. That would be nice. Absolutely. I mean, the the idea that one of the top priorities, if not the top priority of the state, is to protect the environment, uh, the fact that that's not the case reveals just how irrational our politics is, right? Politics is supposed to be a process by which we become better and we solve the problems that arise as a consequence of just society running its course, right? It's, right. It's, it's, it's a complex endeavor. There's always going to be problems generated as we try to live together and, 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 and produce value together. And so politics is supposed to be the system for solving problems. But it is itself the a primary problem. source of problems in our well, world. So one of the big problems, time limits. And we talked about this. You yeah, know, term limits on office. Term, yeah. For various offices, for Congress, mm-hmm. for uh, obviously the Supreme Court, you can't have people sitting up there until they die. It does, no, we, That's we, a we no. talked about how that, that doesn't make any sense. No one That's should be no. holding an office until the point that they die. What is this, a monarchy? To insert their opinion and their voice for the next 30, 40 years. Because yeah. that's what the Supreme Court position does. It allows for somebody like Trump to pick his doppelganger who yeah. happens to have longer blonde hair to be his voice piece for the next 30, 40 years. Ooh. What's her name? Ruth Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Yeah. Um, okay, so she was put in Clinton office, did. Uh, Clinton. Um, yeah, she was uh, later in her career. I want to say she was in her 50s, 60s. Yeah. Okay. Ronald Reagan 
mm-hmm. was able to put four people four. on the Supreme Court. Sandra O'Connor, William Rehnquist, Scalia. Anthony Scalia, and Anthony Kennedy. All mm-hmm. good, good jurists, by all accounts. But Scalia you is more people. controversial than the rest. But the problem is Reagan gets elected in 1980 and re-elected in 1984. Some of these people are on the court 20 years later. So people who never even heard Reagan speak, never even had an, a cho- uh, an, uh, an opportunity to choose whether to vote for or against him, are living with Reagan's, um, Reagan's his, theories and, and, and philosophies. Reagan's ideology, yeah. right? And it's still, so it's not just living with the policies, you know, he helped formulate then. It's also new policies because the Supreme Court is in a way generating policy because it so significantly affects what counts as constitutional and what doesn't in this country, that it does have major impacts on, on, on um, the law and, and public policy. So so here, I have to throw this out, and it's, it's somewhat related, but this is the other piece about politics, especially within the U.S., that makes me just laugh my ass off, right? Because we live in a society where people are so blind to not putting in the work, like you said, right? We haven't taught ourselves to do the research on politicians. We haven't taught ourselves to understand people's political views. We are geared towards party lines. This is where we currently stand. Like, you're a Democrat, so must vote Democrat. You know, Biden tried to call Black people out and was like, if you don't vote for me as a Black person, you're not a Democrat. And I was like, No, he said you're not Black. You're not Black. That's even worse. That's yeah. even worse. Okay. I forgot, I, I'm surprised we haven't brought that quote in because just, that reveals the mentality of the Democratic Party. That's exactly party, what it is. Be a lemming. We own you. We own be, the black vote. Be and, the lemming that you are and vote along party lines. So here's a case that I died laughing at. In Cheshire County in New Hampshire, Keene, mm-hmm. a transgendered anarchist wins the GOP nomination for sheriff. Mm-hmm. She had run prior for the position as sheriff, like I think a few years back, and obviously, you know, ran as an either independent or Democrat, lost every time, decided to change political affiliation to Republican, made signs that had the anarchist A symbol on the signs, the whole nine, but it was Republican. Won won the vote by 4,000 votes. Mm -hmm. 4,000 people voted for a person that they didn't really know. When they found out after the election results were released, people were outraged. They felt like they'd been bamboozled by this candidate. I said, welcome to politics, right? Yeah. All you have to do is say, well, I'm a Democrat, so just trust that I'm gonna do the things that you want me to do. I'm a Republican, I'm just gonna trust that I'll do the things that you want me to do. And these are the things that I see where I'm like, of course, people are disadvantaged when it comes to our political realm. Of course, young people are kind of like, what is the actual point? Like, what do we do to change that? Like, how do we because a part of me is like, OK, you, it sucks right now, but I would love for everybody to get out and vote right now. And then let's work on how we change our system, whether it be a three party or more than that system, whatever the case may be. But how do we get folks to actually get out there now? So. There's a lot there. First thing I'd say is political parties, uh, party labels, mm-hmm. they play an important but also dangerous role in politics. They allow us to sort of organize a very complex domain in a very intelligible way. 
right? So we can just sort of know how to navigate it without having to sort of internalize all the facts that one would have to be aware of to make any kind of decisions in the political universe. So imagine if there was no party labels. And so when we voted, we had to sort of look at every single candidate and look through all the different things they said. And, you know, it'd be very hard to sort of make coherent sense of the political universe for the average person. For people who devote themselves to studying politics and politicians, it'd be manageable, perhaps, but for the average person, it wouldn't be. But what that then entails is that, well, one, the way in which you produce a stable party label that people can follow is by actually being dogmatic. You know, the parties need to be somewhat constrained in what they say and do so that people know that X is always committed to these kinds of things, Y is always committed to these kinds of things, which means you have a sort of closed-mindedness already built into the process. But on the other side of it, when people sort of choose to be loyal to the Democratic Party or to the Republican Party and just assume, all right, so anybody who is a Republican, that represents my interests, what I'm concerned about, means you're not going to do the thinking yourself when it comes to any particular candidate. You're just going to look at the label and from there infer whether or not they're any good. And so the danger there is people can put themselves forward as a candidate without having to actually have real successes at advancing the interests of the people and without having a real agenda for advancing the interests of the people, they're just like, well, I'm the Democrat, right? Biden basically won because he was Obama's vice president and, and good friend. And so people said, well, I trust him because he has this association. He's friends with, with this guy that I know, right. Right. At least with Bernie, you know, you can be critical of some of his ideas, but Bernie clearly spent his life working on these ideas and trying to figure out what he has to offer as solutions to our problems. And, you know, he was very passionate about them. No one can fault Bernie for having a lack of a vision or lack of ideas. Biden, on the other hand, it's like, I have no idea what you stand for. And I don't think he does because all he's been is just this Democrat, you know, who's actually quite unsuccessful historically at running uh, for major offices. He's always lost before when he's run uh, for president. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen in this case. But let's then say, let's then try to focus for the last few minutes on why mm-hmm. people should vote in spite of all the things that we've just said, right? So yeah, because I need a tagline. Like I need a tagline. a mountain to climb, right? A mountain right. of negative, mountain of negativity to overcome, to reach a summit where we can say, all right, even with all that being said, we still should go out and vote. What, what, would, what would you... Offers your 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 initial thoughts on the matter. As to I mean, why we should vote in spite of all that. In spite of all that, yes, there is a level of desperation that we're experiencing right now, where I feel like the choices. There is no longer a choice. There is no longer like I'm just going to express my displeasure with the entire system by not voting. Save that for maybe the next round. We don't have that option right now. So for me, that's the biggest thing. And I know it sounds like a cop out and it's weak and it's not inspiring at all, but we really don't have a choice. And I don't think it's fair for us to go through another four years of this. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. The other is thinking about who's going to occupy the office president with respect to the cultural climate that they will contribute to making and also and, and I think on, on that front, Biden is definitely 
a huge improvement over Trump. He doesn't have a nastiness to him and a vitriolic rhetoric, right, that I think poisons our discourse, poisons our politics, and actually leads to a more rational process. And I think that's the case with, with Trump. The other thing is, voting is only one part of politics. Yes. Voting for the president is either even smaller part of that one part of politics. That's right? the key. The other parts include things like education, right? That's one of the reasons why I say, I don't think I have to vote. I mean, I spend my life training the future leaders of America. That's my contribution. The side I am giving right now, but yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. I also have relationships with powerful people. I talk to them directly. I don't need to vote you know, for, for the masses. Move, you know, moving you, on. Mm -hmm. You need a more mediated relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't have the privilege. Noted. Approved, we we understand how important you are. Point taken. Moving on. You sure I can't say anything no, else on this? Okay. Not at all. Uh, but what if I use my professorial voice and make it seem less arrogant and pompous? <laughs> this ain't Harvard. I need you to wrap this up and come away with a key phrase for the, the young the last The last point is this. Who do you want? to be in positions of power when you are taking to the streets and trying to hold elites accountable? Do you think you have a chance of getting Donald Trump to meet you halfway? Or do you think you have a better chance of getting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to meet you halfway? And I think that's the core issue because you still have to be a citizen, an active citizen after the election and you still have to make demands on the political system and still have to call elites out for behaving badly, for not promoting the people's interests sufficiently. But you have to think about who, what kinds of political elites are going to be more responsive to those demands. Then Biden might be the more rational option. And we have to also remember life. When you get to a certain age, you realize life is not about just having your law, your dreams fulfilled and, and your deepest wishes satisfied. Yeah, that's no. It's about often making tough choices. Yep. Right. You would prefer not to be in the situation, right? I would prefer, let's say, you know, someone has cancer, right? Choosing between, let's say, surgery or chemotherapy, certainly you don't want to have to do either. Right. But that's you just, not the situation right. you're in. I don't want the cancer. Right? Period. But you can't, you can't but, wish it away. That's where we are. That's that's absolutely perfect. And I'm stealing that and I'm going to use it and I'm not going to give you credit when I give my little talk to these young folk. But thank you, Brother Jay. I'm glad that you were able to uh, enlighten us all today because this is what you do and the reason d'être pour toi. Um, any final words before I cut you off? Yeah, I was just going to say the, the, the takeaway is life is all about trade-offs and you just have to think about when you're facing a choice, where do things land on, on, on net, right? Mm -hmm. You got to look at the negatives and the positives and then make a decision. And, and it's I, not always easy. It's not always easy. But, but honestly, think, oh, this, this should be easy, guys. To, for this right now, this should be easier than some of the decisions that are going to have to be made after this election is done, because the work doesn't end after November. That's the big thing that people have to remember. No, you're still going to have to put pressure on politicians. You're still going to have to educate yourself. You're still going to have to raise your children 
to be good citizens, you know, encourage your friends to be good citizens, and you're going to have to do, and let's not forget, a lot of politics happens at the local level. The presidential yeah. election has a certain salience that distracts us from all the other levels at which politics takes place, right? And so we have to be involved at those levels as well if we want to have a rational society. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, no, I don't think that choosing to vote in this election and choosing to vote for Joe Biden is a difficult decision. The difficulties are about how you still make the system work, given the fact that in many offices, um, you're going to have people who aren't the most optimal right. people, right, to occupy those offices. And some so of those how, people. That's the real difficulty. Right. And some right? of those people end up staying much, much longer than any of us ever want them to. And so the final thing I'd say is to make your life as a citizen less difficult, put people in power who are going to make your life as a citizen less difficult. And if you think that it's split even between Biden and Trump in terms of who's going to make your life as a citizen less difficult, then I, I, I recommend that you reflect further. And I think you'll see that one of the two is certainly going to make one's life as a citizen less difficult. And that's the choice you should make. Always go with the option that makes your life less difficult and generates less obstacles for you. Which is Biden. Not optimal. Yeah. Which is Biden in this particular case. But yes. Absolutely. You know. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Jake. And my last point will be for those who haven't volunteered in any way, shape, or form in the political process, I implore you to do so. There are lots of opportunities for people to volunteer on voting day if you have the chance and opportunity to kind of see what happens. And if you're lucky, uh, somebody will take their shirt off. I'll leave you with that. Thank you to our host, Clovercrest Media Group, Kev from BK for our visual arts, and the fire intro song, Filthy, by TVP Records. Podcast system.